worship service. What an awesome opportunity we have to worship the Lord together every single week. Appreciate you. I appreciate this church family. Love being a part of this church family. We're also thankful for the visitors who we have here with us this morning. Have some special visitors with me this morning. My grandparents, Earl and Doris Alverson. One of the reasons that I mention that is you're going to get a break from me tonight in our Sunday night worship service. My grandfather, who's been a faithful minister for about 30 years now, is going to be preaching to us this Sunday night. So I hope that uh, you'll be here for that. I hope you'll be engaged in that. I know that if you make the decision to be here, you'll certainly be blessed. But for now, you're stuck with me. So let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter. If you have your Bible, Romans chapter eight, we're going to be studying in the passage that was just read for us so well in verses nine through 13. Romans chapter eight, verses nine through 13. As a Christian, do you have assurance in your salvation? As a follower of Jesus, someone who has been baptized into Christ, Galatians 3 and verse 27, for the forgiveness of sins, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, are you confident that you are saved? I remember listening to a preacher one time. He was talking about a Bible class that he was involved in where he asked this question. As a Christian, do you have assurance? Do you have confidence in your salvation? Do you know right now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you are in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? 80% of the Christians in that class answered that question by saying, I don't know. Isn't that remarkable? In that Bible class, 80% of those who have decided to follow Jesus answered saying, I don't really know if I'm saved or not. I don't really have confidence. I don't really have assurance in my salvation. What about you? What about me? Of course, we're talking to those who have made the decision to follow Jesus. As a Christian, do you have assurance in your salvation? Are you confident right now that you are in a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? I wonder what the percentage would be if we took a poll of everyone in this auditorium who said, I don't know. I don't really know if I'm saved. I don't really think that I have assurance. I don't really think that I have confidence in the salvation that I've received from God. Because every time I think about my standing before God, it causes me so much worry. It causes me so much anxiety because I don't really know where I stand with Him. I just don't know where I'm going to spend an eternity. I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know if I'm going to go to hell. To be honest with you, it breaks my heart whenever I hear Christians who think that way or talk that way because God doesn't want us to think that way. God doesn't want us to talk that way. When you go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13, I want to remind you of the very purpose of that letter. Notice John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. In other words, I'm writing to Christians. I'm writing to those who have decided to follow Jesus. And here's the reason for that entire letter. That you may know that you have eternal life. As Christians, we can come to a place where we have complete assurance 
and confidence in the salvation that we've received from the Lord. We can come to a place where we don't have to be wishy-washy, where I feel like I'm not saved on my bad days and then maybe I'm saved on my good days. We don't have to go back and forth living with one foot on one side of the fence and one foot on the other side of the fence. The Apostle John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us that we can come to a place where we know that we are saved. We know where we're going to spend in eternity. We know that we have eternal life. And so we ask the question, as a Christian, do you know that you have eternal life? As a follower of Jesus, do you have assurance in your salvation? Do you have confidence right now in this moment that you are in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? Because I believe that's the main idea of what we're going to be talking about today. Remember, over the last few months, we've been looking at a series of lessons about the Holy Spirit and how He is active and involved in our lives on a daily basis. When we look specifically at Romans chapter 8, verses 9-13, through 13, I believe the Apostle Paul helps us to have confidence and assurance in our salvation. And that confidence and assurance is not based on us. It's not based on what we do or what we don't do. It's based on the Holy Spirit. My confidence, my assurance, and my salvation is not based on me, but it's based on whether or not the Spirit is living within me. It's based on His action. It's based on His presence in my life. It's kind of like Martin Luther. Perhaps you've heard that name before. He was one of the key players in the Reformation movement back in the 1500s. There was an individual who came up to him one day and asked him the question, Sir, do you feel like a child of God today? He looked at him and said, no, I really don't feel like a child of God today, but I know that I am. That's what we can have as followers of Jesus. Even on those days when I don't feel like a child of God, even on those days when I might have doubts about the salvation that I've received from Jesus, I can know that I belong to Jesus. I can know that I'm a child of God. And it's not about me. It's not about what I do or what I don't do, but it's about whether or not the Holy Spirit is living within me. It's about His presence. It's about His action in our lives. And that's what we're going to see in Romans the 8th chapter as we continue walking through this chapter together in verses 9-13. through It's because of the Holy Spirit that we can know in verse number 9 that we are not in the flesh, but we are in the Spirit. Notice that statement at the beginning of verse number 9. He says, you however, pointing his attention to the Christians at the church at Rome, pointing his attention even to us today, you however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Let's start with that idea of the flesh. We've talked about that idea a lot as we've been working our way throughout Romans the 8th chapter and talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember, when Paul uses the term flesh, he's not referring to that thin layer of fat and muscle that exists between the skin and the bone in our physical bodies. When Paul talks about the flesh in this context, he's talking about a purely human way of life. This is a life that is directed by the values of a world That's sinful. A world that's in rebellion to God. You want to know what it looks like to be in the flesh? Take your life right now. Subtract God from it. Subtract Jesus from it. Subtract the Spirit from it. And that's what it means to be in the flesh. That's what it means to live in the flesh. We've talked about the flesh a lot in this passage. If you go back to verse number 3, for instance, the Bible talks about how the law of Moses was weakened by the flesh. And that's why it didn't have the capability to truly set us free from sin. We talked about how Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemned sin in the flesh. 
In verse 4, we talked about our responsibility to not live in the flesh. In verse 5, we go below the surface. We don't set our minds on things of the flesh because that's, exp- that's explained and elaborated on as we continue. In verse 6, when you set your mind on the flesh, that's death. The only thing, and we're, we're going to see that again in our study today. When I set my mind on the flesh and I live in the flesh, this purely human way of living, a living based on the values of this sinful world around us, the only place that that can lead is death. He says it's in verse number 7, the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. It can't submit to God's law. As long as we continue to be in the flesh, we don't possess the capability of living a life that's pleasing to God. And so Paul's painting this picture that's really bleak. He's painting this picture of a world that is in rebellion against God. He's painting this picture when he talks about the flesh of a world that is so sinful, a world that's so evil, a world that's so wicked. And then he turns his attention to the Christians at Rome in verse 9 and says, that's not you. You're not living in that realm. You see the flesh. You see how bad that is. You see the results of it and what it leads to. You, however are not in the flesh. If we're not in the flesh, then what are we in? Paul says that we're in the Spirit. He's also talked a lot about that in this chapter, hasn't he? If you go back to verse number 2, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 4, we don't walk or live in the flesh. We walk or live in the Spirit. Verse 5, we don't set our minds on things of the flesh. We set our minds on things of the Spirit. Because if you set your mind on the flesh, Paul says that's death. But if you set your mind on the Spirit, that results in life and peace. As we live in the Spirit, we're not living in hostility towards God. We're in love with God. We're living in relationships with God. Instead of refusing to submit to God's law, it's not my will but yours be done. Instead of possessing an incapability of living a life that's pleasing to God, each and every day we bring a smile to God's face. Because we're not in the flesh, we are in the Spirit if In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. How can I know that I've experienced this transformation? How can I know that I'm no longer in the flesh? How can I know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that now I'm living in the Spirit? Paul says you can know that because the Holy Spirit is living within you. Because the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. It's because of the Holy Spirit and His indwelling. It's because of the Holy Spirit and His presence within us that we can know that we are not in the flesh, but we are in the Spirit. Maybe we're all familiar with the process of metamorphosis where you have a caterpillar that goes into a cocoon and then it comes out a beautiful butterfly. You know, I've never heard anybody say, I went on vacation and I went to a caterpillar farm, and it was just awesome. I I really enjoyed that. I've never heard anybody say that. If if you've been to visit a caterpillar farm, maybe you come talk to me after services. I can tell you what I have heard, though. I went on vacation, and we went to a butterfly farm, and it was so beautiful. Because when you think about caterpillars, they're not very attractive. They're kind of ugly, little insect worm-looking things. But then butterflies are beautiful. Caterpillars don't really have a color to them, they don't really have a pattern to them, but butterflies are absolutely beautiful and we enjoy seeing them. We enjoy being around them. There's been a change. There's been a transformation. There's been a metamorphosis. When we look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, as Christians, we've undergone a spiritual 
metamorphosis, haven't we? We've been changed. We've been transformed by the Spirit of God. At one time, we were living in the flesh, and we can't deny that. But that's not who we are anymore. You, however, are not in the flesh, but now you're in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells or lives within you. At one time, we were old, but now we're new. At one time, we were living a life that was ugly in God's eyes. Now we're living a life that is beautiful in God's eyes. And it's not about us. We can have assurance, we can have confidence that we've been changed and transformed because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Spirit's presence within us, we can know that we're not in the flesh. Now we are in the Spirit. We can have absolute confidence in that. Number two, because of the Holy Spirit, we can know, we can have assurance, we can have confidence in the fact that we belong to Christ. You have your Bible open to Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Notice that last phrase there, that last sentence, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And that's a sad idea. That if you don't have the Spirit living within you, then you don't belong to Jesus. Jesus doesn't claim you. You don't belong to the Lord. You've not been purchased by His blood. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. But the opposite of that is also true. The antithesis of that is also true. That if the Spirit of Christ does live within us, then what? We do belong to Jesus. If God's Spirit is living within you, then you don't belong to your spouse. You don't belong to your kids. You don't belong to your grandkids or your job. You don't belong to your hobbies. If the Spirit of Christ is dwelling or living within you, then you don't even belong to yourself. If God's Spirit is living within you, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, everything that you have and everything that you are now belongs to Jesus Christ. Sometimes we doubt that, don't we? We wonder, does Jesus claim me? Does Jesus value me? Does Jesus look at me as a person who belongs to Him? And Paul answers that question to say, anyone who has the Spirit of Christ dwelling within them belongs to Jesus. Because of the Holy Spirit and His presence in our lives, we can know that we belong to Christ. I find it interesting that Paul makes that same point over in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. It's a different context. Paul's talking about fleeing from sexual immorality. He's appealing to the Corinthians to not join themselves to the cult prostitutes who lived within the city of Corinth. But he lays down the same principles that we just saw in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. Notice, he asked the question, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? He's asking that as if that's something that they should know. Don't you know this? That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living within you. He is the one whom you have from God. So I grasp that idea. I grasp that the Spirit is living within me. What's the next idea I need to get a grasp on? Look at the end of 19. You're not your own. You don't belong to you. For you were bought with a price. That price is the precious blood of Jesus. And that's why we glorify God in our bodies. It's the same principles that we see here in Romans chapter 8. In verse number 9, because the Holy Spirit lives within you, because your body is a temple to Him, you can be confident that you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. I remember talking to a person one time. He was talking about one of his family members who had gotten into some trouble. He said, yeah, that's, that's my relative. 
but we don't really claim Him. Let me tell you something that you can be confident about today. Jesus Christ claims you. Jesus Christ values you. If the Holy Spirit is living within you, Jesus points His finger at you. He points His finger at me to say, that person is mine. That person belongs to me. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can know that we belong to Christ. Number three, because of the Holy Spirit, we can know in verse number 10 that we have life. Paul continues, if Christ is in you, how does Christ dwell in us? I believe that Christ dwells in us through the Spirit. I believe that's what the context is suggesting. And so if Christ is in us, dwelling in us through the Holy Spirit of God, who's identified as the Spirit of Christ in the verse right before this one, he says, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You find an idea in that verse that causes a lot of struggle in your life and it causes a lot of struggle in your family. You find an idea in verse number 10 that causes mourning oftentimes. It's the idea that the body is dead because of sin. Because of sin's impact on the world, we live in bodies that are broken. Right now, they are not what they were originally designed to be. Because of sin's influence and impact on the world, we live in bodies that are subject to death. We live in bodies that are subject to decay and illness and disease and frailty. Paul says if Christ is in you, even though the body's dead because of sin and that causes a lot of difficulty in our lives, it causes a lot of difficulty in our families, he says we can be confident that the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Paul says that our bodies are marching towards death, but our spirits aren't. Our bodies are subject to disease and decay and illness and sickness, but our spirits are not. The Spirit, Paul says, is life because of righteousness. Because of the righteousness that we've received from Jesus. Read about that in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. Because of the righteousness that we have received from Jesus, the Spirit who is life is giving us life. Your body might be decaying. You might be struggling when it comes to physical things. Our bodies are all subject to death. But we can be confident that the Spirit who is life is giving us life. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can know that we have life in chapter 8 and verse number 10. Like we said, this causes a lot of struggle. This causes a lot of mourning. In many different ways, we experience the deadness of our physical bodies as a result of sin's impact and influence. As a Christian, you're going to go throughout your life and it might be the case that you get diagnosed with cancer. Here's something you can be confident in. The Spirit within you is life because of righteousness. As you go throughout your life, you might have some kind of medical emergency like a heart attack or a stroke, and that could have lingering effects. But always remember this, the Spirit within you is life because of righteousness. Maybe your body's not working like it used to. Maybe you're not able to do the things that you used to do, and you're experiencing the deadness of your physical body in that way. Always remember the Spirit within you is life because of righteousness. One day, each and every one of us are going to draw our final breath. From, de from, from dust man came and to dust he shall return, the Scriptures teach us. The Spirit within you is life because of righteousness. 
Again, you find the same idea over in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, where Paul says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul says that's why we don't lose heart. That's why we don't give up when we would otherwise quit. That's why we don't want to throw in the towel. Even though there may be times when we want to throw in the towel, that our outer body, our physical bodies, might be wasting away, but the inner self could not be farther from that. The inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul says in Romans 8, even though the body, the physical body, is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's something that we can have great confidence in. Something we can have great assurance in. And then finally, number four, because of the Holy Spirit, we can know that one day we will be raised. Looking at Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, we know that our Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on the third day that he was in the tomb. God raised him up. Paul preaches on, or rather, Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. And so look at this idea in verse 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, what do you think is going to happen? He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. If the Spirit of the One who raised Jesus from the dead is living within us, then we can know, we can be confident, we can be assured that the same God through the same Spirit is going to raise us up on the final day. He will give life to our mortal bodies through the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We just said back in verse 10 that right now our bodies are dead because of sin. Because of sin's influence. Because of sin's impact. It's not going to be that way forever. Our bodies are subject to death and decay and sickness and illness and frailty right now. But it's not going to be that way forever. Because if God's Spirit lives within you, the One who raised Jesus from the dead, then we can know and be confident that we are going to be raised in the very same way way because of the holy spirit we can know that one day we will be raised that is our hope that is our aim that's what we're looking forward to as christians that's something that we should be praying about every single day may the day come quickly that we are raised up to meet our lord and spend an eternity with him makes me think about the epitaph that ben franklin wrote for himself and and here's what it says it says like the cover of an old book its contents torn out and stripped of the lettering and gilding lies here food for worms, but, that but makes all the difference, but the work shall not be lost, for it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more elegant edition corrected and improved by the author. That's our hope. That's what we're longing for. One day we're going to breathe our final breath. One day we're going to be buried in the ground if the Lord doesn't return before that. Even though our body becomes a food for worms, the work is not going to be lost. As we believe, we will appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, corrected and improved by the author. One day, we're going to be raised in the same way that Jesus was raised. Our bodies are going to be transformed, glorified, and perfected if the Spirit dwells within us. This assurance and confidence that we have because of the Holy Spirit, it's not just about this life. It's also about the next life. This assurance and confidence that we have in the Holy Spirit is not just about the here and now. It's not just about this moment. It's not just about this day. But it's also about what's going to happen on the last day. Whenever we rise to meet our Lord. And so we come back to this question. 
as a Christian, think about this individually, as a Christian, do you have assurance in your salvation? Do you have confidence right now, in this moment, that you are in a saving relationship with Jesus? I want to suggest that you can be. And it's really not about you. It's not about what you do or what you don't do, but it's about the Spirit's presence and action in your life. That's what Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 8. Because of the Holy Spirit, we can know that we're not in the flesh, but we're in the Spirit. It's because of the Spirit that we can know that we belong to Christ. It's because of the Spirit that we have life. The Spirit within us is life because of righteousness. It's because of the Spirit that we can know that one day we're going to be raised. So consider one more question with me. How should we respond? I have this confidence. I have this assurance in my salvation because of the Spirit who's living within me. How does that change me? How does that change how I live? How does that change the kind of decisions that I make? How should I respond to this beautiful reality that we oftentimes sing about? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Three quick, brief ideas, and then the lesson's going to be yours. Number one, we should respond to this confidence and assurance that comes from the Spirit by seeing ourselves as debtors. You see that in verse number 12 where Paul says, So then, brothers, we are debtors. The Holy Spirit living within us is such a tremendous blessing that I don't believe we can even put it into words. It's a gift that we've received. That's how Acts 2 and verse 38 describes it. When you repent and you're baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's a gift that you can't earn. It's a gift that you can't merit. It's a gift that you don't deserve. We are debtors to the Holy Spirit of God. When we truly realize that, how could we not love Him? How could we not praise Him? How could we not live every day producing His fruit? Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. How could we not walk in the Spirit? Romans 8 and verse 4. How could we not set our minds on things of the Spirit in Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 when we truly see ourselves as debtors? Maybe sometimes we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We think we can earn. We think that we can merit. We think that we can deserve. And Paul says the exact opposite is actually the case. We are indebted to the Holy Spirit of God. And we need to live like it. We need to respond with that kind of mindset. Number two, how should we respond to this assurance and confidence? We must refuse to live in the flesh. Paul says we're debtors in verse 12, but it's not to the flesh. We're indebted to the Spirit, not the flesh. We don't live according to the flesh, Paul tells us in verse number 12. Maybe sometimes people think about assurance and confidence in our salvation leads to a life where I, I just do whatever I want to do. And I live how I want to live. It gives me a license to sin. And Paul says that's not the case. If we have assurance and confidence in our salvation, it leads us in the opposite direction. I'm going to refuse to live in the flesh. I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to live the way the world lives and be involved in the things that the world is involved in. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be set apart for God and for His purposes. Because let me remind you at the beginning of verse 13, if you live in the flesh, the only direction that that's going to lead is death. The only direction, the only payoff that the flesh has is death. Is that really where you want to be? Confidence and assurance leads us to faithfulness. And then number three, we put to death the deeds of the body by the Holy Spirit. Paul says that in verse number 13, that if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, 
you will live. There's a decision to make there, isn't there? I'm going to refuse to live in the flesh. And instead of living in the flesh, I'm going to put to death the deeds of the body. You have a sin that you're struggling with right now? A sin that you're struggling to get rid of? Something that you commit time and time again and you're always feeling guilty about it. You're constantly praying about it. Paul says it's time to put it to death. It's time to get rid of it. Kill that sin in your life. Remove it far from you. And the question naturally comes up. How do I do that? I've been struggling with this sin. It seems like I can't get rid of it. Paul says you don't do it on your own. The same Spirit who gives confidence and assurance in Romans chapter 8, verses 9-11 through 11, empowers us to put to death the deeds of the body. That's what he says right there in verse 13. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Kill that sin. Get rid of that sin. Remove it far from you. And you're not doing it alone. That's something that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Do, do we have blessed assurance? Are we excited about this confidence and assurance that we can have through the Holy Spirit where you can live this week knowing? Take it to the bank. You can be confident about this. You're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. You belong to Christ. You have life. One day you're going to be raised and it's all because the Spirit is living within you in this moment. Let's allow it to change us. Let's respond appropriately. This week, view yourself as a debtor. Make a refusal. Draw a line in the sand. I'm not going to live in the flesh. And instead, by the Spirit, I'm going to put to death the deeds of the body. If you're struggling with that assurance, you're struggling with that confidence, your Christian family is here. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to encourage you as together we stand and sing. Yeah.